KRCL, Salt Lake City. Utah Diné Bekea works to protect and preserve cultural uses of public lands by tribes. To learn more about their programs, including art, traditional foodways, and cultural sensitivity courses, visit utahdinebekea.org. That's Utah, D-I-N-E-B-I-K-E-Y-A-H dot org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones, and thanks for plugging into your community with me tonight. Coming up on the show, celebrating the successes of refugee women in our community with Samira Harnish and uh, Saharnaz Purhagui, intern at Women of the World. It's a nonprofit that's been helping forcibly displaced women make Salt Lake City their home and build community through self-reliance and trust since 2009. They've got a scholarship deadline coming up tomorrow, a community celebration this weekend that you're invited to. And both women have a few things to say about the protest situation in Iran. Stick around for that. We're also starting our Shop Local Spotlight for the holidays. Joining me in just a few minutes will be Angela Brown of Craft Lake City and jeweler Maya Holland, who will be one of nearly 120 artisans on hand at Craft Lake City's fourth annual holiday market this Friday and Saturday at Ogden's Union Station. Also going to check in on the situation with RSV and flu and kids, especially primary children's. Got a clip from a press conference earlier today. And Bill Tibbetts, I checked in with him via Zoom to find out how that Thanksgiving turkey and sides giveaway went on Thanksgiving Eve. They exceeded their expectations and were able to help a lot of folks in our community have a great Thanksgiving dinner. They're going to do it again for Christmas, so stick around for that. In the meantime, let's get started with rallies and resources, which you can find at krcl.org. Just click on the Community Affairs tab to find all this information I'm going to talk about. The Dignity Index webinar is happening online tomorrow evening at 6. It's hosted by the League of Women Voters of Utah. We've had them on the show twice in the last uh, month and a half or so, especially in the lead up to the midterms on November 8th. And if you want to figure out a way to approach political discourse with your friends, your family, your coworkers, this just might be it. It's an eight-point scale that measures what we do when we disagree. So it ranges from one which sees no dignity at all on the other side, to eight, which sees dignity in everyone. And their hope is that if you use this dignity index, we'll be able to treat each other with more dignity and solve more problems. Doesn't cost you anything. You do need to register, though, to get a seat in the webinar, which is again tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, the Dignity Index. Also tomorrow night is that benefit for displaced Rose Park families at Beehive SLC on State Street in downtown Salt Lake. Features Portraits, which was our featured band on Punk Rock Farmer Friday last Friday. Let's see. The American Indian Winter Arts Market is coming up Saturday and Sunday this weekend at the Utah Union Ballroom. The Utah Division of Indian Affairs brings you this event. And let's see, Saturday and Sunday, different start times. There's a round dance on Saturday as well at 6 in the evening. On Tuesday, December 6th, Equality Utah presents Q-Talks Cabaret featuring Wayward Molly at the Eccles. And Friday, December 9th is Gender Marker Day. This is happening starting at 10 a.m. at the Matheson Courthouse. 
and it's organized by University of Utah Transgender Health Program. Check Rallies and Resources at krcl.org under the Community Affairs tab for more information about Gender Marker Day and the other events that we have uh, spoken about here right now. Okay, so last Wednesday, Thanksgiving Eve, Crossroads Urban Center set up in the uh, ballpark parking lot there on the northeast corner of 1300 South and West Temple. And starting at 10, they said, come on down, drive up, walk up. You want a turkey and sides. You don't have that this Thanksgiving. We can hook you up. And Bill Tibbetts gave me a report just earlier this afternoon. Here's Bill Tibbetts from Crossroads Urban Center. Well, uh, it was really successful. We had hundreds of volunteers who came and helped. And um, we uh, helped, we served, we gave away 3,008 Thanksgiving meals, uh, we helped, I mean, uh, that many households um, with with turkeys and other uh, things you need for a Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, I think last year we served, we served about 500 more families this year than we did last year. Um, if you think that there's, I mean, the average family or household in Utah is about three people. And that means we, we were close to 10,000 people that we, that we helped. Um, in in a few hours. So it's uh, it was a pretty great event. Now, granted, the pre-COVID way was a gymnasium, and people would come in, they'd fill out lots of information, so you could also glean things from them to better serve folks in the future. Now, post-COVID, it's drive up, walk up, get some uh, turkey and some sides, and you're, you're on your way. But were you able to um, glean any stories from folks? Because like you've said on the show several times in the last couple of months, the need has only risen as COVID, quote unquote, is over. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, I think, I mean, part of why I, I like our new streamlined process is that you see so many people driving through with kids uh, in, in car seats. And, you know, you think, I mean, and it, and it reminded me, those same kids would have been standing in line with their mom in the cold. And so uh, I, I think, um, you know, I, you just, um, you see some uh, families with sometimes, I mean, three and more kids in, in the cars are waiting to get food. And so you, you really think, I mean, it's easy to imagine how they would need help with Thanksgiving. I mean, it's uh, it's so expensive taking care of kids, and with how much the cost of living has gone up in the, in the last few years. Um, I mean, just since the pandemic. I mean, it is. Um, I think you know the pandemic, whether or not it's it's we've moved from a, an, a crisis phase to a I don't know whatever it is that we're in now. Um, <laughs> Well, however, that I mean, um, the impacts on, on people's pocketbooks are going to continue for a long time, and yeah. I, I think um, you know that's uh, right now we have a really high employment rate, but wages haven't kept up with inflation. Um, they certainly haven't kept up with the increase in rent. So, um, I think that's that's who we we were seeing. I mean, that's why we saw the need go up. All right. You do it also for the Christmas season. Whether folks celebrate Christmas or not, you have another giveaway. And what is it? Is it the same thing, a turkey and a couple sides? And, of course, you need to kirk the turkey, right? It's not a pre-cooked turkey. 
it's not a pre-cooked turkey it is but it is a it is a turkey again um which i, th I think um that's uh what's it's kind of fun because i the we started off doing uh the give a gobble program with Harmons, and uh, that became successful enough that they 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 collect turkeys that end up being used at christmas time also i mean or they collect the money for the turkeys that end up being used at Christmas time also. So that um, that partnership grew and, and has, has been pretty great. Um, and I think, again, I mean, it's uh, the, the Thanksgiving giveaway is, is bigger than the Christmas one because Christmas for people who celebrate it is more about presents for kids than it is about having a meal together. Thanksgiving without a big dinner is not Thanksgiving. Um, with and, and without a specific kind of dinner right i mean that's uh but i think for for christmas i mean as long as you're not going hungry the food is less important so when and where and walk us through how this one's going to work for okay. the christmas well, food giveaway with crossroads there is a flyer for the giveaway on the front page of our website www.crossroadsurbancenter.org and it is uh takes place at the Roland Hall School, which is the one located on uh on Lincoln Street, which is uh bet uh, between ninth and tenth east. Um so it's the the uh here I got the address right here. It's eight forty three South Lincoln Street, which is nine forty five east, folks, in Salt Lake. Yeah. Yeah, that it's um we've been they uh again that's a it'll be a drive through just like uh, the Thanksgiving and it, so it's just it's a different location so um and uh, it's the the it, it runs from ten to two and so it's a little shorter on hours but um, I, I think it's if if you're I think because you know, Christmas celebrations tend to focus on presents. Um, if you, at the last second, realize, oh my gosh, we didn't make a plan for a for a for a family meal on that day, um, it happens that we're we're ready to help you with that. So this is again Friday, the twenty third of December, ten to two, at Roland Hall, and we'll put the address and the details in tonight's show notes. And it's limit one food basket per vehicle, walk up and drive up, no documentation required to prove any sort of need. And folks can find out more on your website, which one more time, Bill Tibbetts is? www.crossroadsurbancenter.org. And that is Bill Tibbetts, Crossroads Urban Center. Check tonight's show notes for more details and a link to the Christmas turkey giveaway. And thanks to Crossroads for all the great work they do in our community to help folks out. You can also link to them for volunteer opportunities. So Intermountain Primary Children's Hospital caregivers have been caring for extremely high numbers of pediatric patients for many months. But this includes a recent surge of children with a respiratory illness, RSV, as well as other pediatric respiratory illnesses. And today they announced they'll be delaying some pre-scheduled procedures and surgeries due to the high volumes of pediatric patients. There was a Zoom press conference earlier today, and I wanted to share some of the comments made by Andrew Pavia. He is a pediatric infectious diseases physician at the University of Utah Health and Intermountain Primary Children's Hospital. 
we don't take this action lightly. We have many measures that we put in place to deal with the surge. Uh, and we deal with surges every year. This has been really an unprecedented uh, surge in RSV, accompanied now by a fairly large amount of influenza. Just over the last week, it's increased quite substantially. And behind all this, COVID is increasing slowly. Now, the bulk of the hospitalized children are hospitalized with RSV, but there's a substantial number with flu as well as with COVID and some with more than one virus. We've been operating the hospital at pretty close to full capacity since summer, but full capacity has different meanings. There's our normal full capacity and what we can do during a surge where we start to find many other places to put children. We put two children in rooms meant for one. We convert other clinical spaces into inpatient rooms. And we've done all of those things. And we, in spite of all that, we are absolutely chock full. Every day, it's a question of finding ways to get some children home so we can admit others. On top of this, as we've talked about before, we have a staff shortage, as does everybody in healthcare. There have been a lot of resignations. We've been going at full speed, um, not just for the last couple of months, but really almost for three years and people are tired and people have left. So we've taken this action really as a way to provide the best and safest care for the kids who need it. Uh, unfortunately, it does cause inconvenience for some families who are having scheduled surgeries canceled. The other thing I think that's worth noting is that we've seen this wave coming and we've prepared for it in every possible way. It uh, struck the South and the East Coast before us and we watch hospitals declare states of emergency, go on a crisis standards of care, put up tents. So we had warning and we were able to do a number of things that have really helped us prepare for it, but it has now pushed us to our limit. The emergency room has uh, set records for the number of children being seen in a single day now uh, for two days and out of the last four days. So it's extraordinarily busy down there. It's a combination of RSV, influenza, common colds, COVID, uh, but there are also uh, accidents, uh, other types of emergency illnesses. Our emergency department team really are terrific at stepping up and they've you know, brought in uh, large numbers of extra physicians and nurses to meet it. But you know, there's just a physical limit to the space that we have. And it has unfortunately created delays. So right now, the best thing people can do is to stay out of the emergency room. You know, viral diseases aren't like death and taxes. You can avoid them. They're not inevitable. Um, and our tools for avoiding them aren't perfect, but we have good vaccines for flu and COVID. For RSV, the people who are most at risk are children under one year of age, and to a lesser degree, those under two and those with severe heart disease and a few other conditions. And we don't have a vaccine for RSV, but if you keep people away from people who are sniffling, coughing, sneezing, uh, you can prevent them from getting RSV. And that means, you know, keep your infants at home. Don't let sick people come visit them. Wear a mask if you have any scratchy throat or runny nose around your infants. Um, it, you know, you have no way of knowing whether that mild symptom you have is dry air uh, you know, inversion or RSV because it can be very mild in adults and very severe in young infants. So protect them.
And you can, there's really a lot that we can do. The symptoms of RSV really depend on your age and how many times you've had RSV before. By the time you're two, virtually everyone's had RSV once or twice. And it looks more like the typical cold, runny nose, a little bit of cough, maybe a low-grade fever, usually doesn't make kids sick enough to need acute medical care. But for those under two, it can be more severe. Uh, and, And those secretions, that snot that they're producing in their very narrow airways can make it difficult to breathe. And so they can start to wheeze or have a tough time getting enough air in. They also, uh, particularly for the younger infants, can just have trouble eating and drinking. So they're unable to nurse or take a bottle and they can get dehydrated. So for your older children, use the same judgment that you always would. Are they having high fever? Um, Are they unable to eat? Are they unable to breathe well? Those are reasons to bring a child into the emergency room. For younger children, you also wanna look for signs that they're having difficulty breathing, which you know they can't tell you, mom, I'm short of breath. So you can look to see, uh, is the skin moving in, in between their ribs and under their rib cage when they're taking a deep breath? Are they unable to uh, latch onto the breast or to a bottle for more than a few seconds? Those are warning signs. You should uh, give your pediatrician or family practitioner a call, talk about it, perhaps, bring them into the office, if necessary, bring them to the emergency department. But often if you talk to your practitioner, you can get some tips to help keep them home safely. And that is Dr. Andrew Pavia, infectious diseases physician, a pediatrician, University of Utah Health and Intermountain Primary Children's Hospital. Up to 50 such procedures for kids are expected to be postponed this week. And that's about 10% of all surgeries and procedures at the hospital due to this increase in RSV and other pediatric illnesses. Check tonight's show notes for a link to more information that may help you and your family and your kids stay healthy. And now wrapping up rallies and resources, we have some folks in studio for our first Shop Local Holiday Spotlight. Angela Brown, Craft Lake City Slug Mag is here. Hi, how are you? Hey, hey. thank you so much for having me on today. And your little one healthy right now? Yes, I have a 16-month-old daughter named Esme. She's doing great. Right, so keep and watch out for all that stuff we just talked about though, okay? Indeed. So Craft Lake City's fourth annual holiday market is coming up this weekend. Give us the who, what, one more, why to start. Yeah, yeah. So we launched this four years ago, as you mentioned, up in Ogden, Utah. And one of the reasons why we did it is there's just this incredible new northern Utah art scene that is just really starting to kind of you know take nest up there so we wanted to honor that i mean we saw more and more applicants to our annual diy festival that happens in august oh yeah coming from northern utah and we thought there's all these incredible pop-up markets happening in salt lake city but we didn't see a lot of that in ogden so four years ago we launched our first holiday market so you've got about 120 artisans for this? Yeah, we sure do. About 120 artisans, which is uh, about uh, 20 more than we had last year because we did a, a venue move. Mm, that's right. So this has moved to Ogden's Union Station. Yes, historical Union Station right in, at the bottom of 25th Street. And I asked you to bring in an artisan. So would you like to introduce our other guest? Yes, this is Maya from Cast and Clover. And Maya has been with um, Craft Lake City, you know, as an artisan for two DIY festivals. Festivals, and this will be her second holiday market. Hi. Hey, thanks for coming in. Of course. Thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about Cast and Clover and why you do what you do. 
So I started my business about two years ago, fresh out of college, 2020 graduate, art major. So not a lot of options out there, but (laughs) I landed on um, finding my way through jewelry and home decor. So I hand press um, flowers and other botanicals and I cast them using epoxy resin and make decor, jewelry, a bunch of things. I get bored easily, so I'm constantly <laughs> making new products. What will you have on hand at the craft market? Oh, this so weekend? much stuff. I'm going to have tons of ornaments for your tree this year, um, wall decor, earrings. I, those are my favorite things to make, so I'm always making earrings. I like to make mirrors and tea lights, bracelets. So, what about Craft Lake City and now the holiday market for your second mm-hmm. year? connects you in the community because this is you know we really want to encourage folks to spend those dollars locally for every dollar spent locally it circulates as many as three times in the community plus it supports great folks like you right yeah no so I actually moved to Salt Lake City last summer um, and my first ever market was the DIY Fest of 2021 in August and I was so nervous I hadn't socialized with anyone in like two years so the community just kind of like I felt like everyone was just there to support you, and um, I felt like I fit right in, and I've been doing these events since then, yeah, Yeah. so, I mean, people really come out, the community really supports and comes and they want to support the small businesses. I think folks, Angela, really want something handmade. If it's not made by themselves, supporting someone like Maya and Caston Clover or any of the other nearly 120 artisans that you have on hand. What have you found uh, over the four years of doing this? Well, soon to be four. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I think people really do want a handmade item, but they also want to connect with the maker of the handmade item. And I think that's something that's really unique about the events that Craft Lake City does. Um, you know, we've been in this uh, non business for almost 15 years now and we've seen a lot of really incredible brick and mortar shops uh, pop up that do this year round and we're so thankful for, for them because it gives our artisans a chance to sell their inventory year round but when you're there you don't get to actually have a conversation with the yeah. person that made it and I think that's what's so special about our the big events that we do is you can literally go around and you know you can see this visual interpretation of who they are you know through their work that they're displaying and selling for an affordable price. Yeah, and folks, Maya, I'm guessing pick your brains like, how did you do this? Why do you do this? Right. Can I learn from you how to mm-hmm. do this, right? Exactly, yeah. And I am a um, self-diagnosed over-explainer, so <laughs> I love to tell people every little thing about I love it. what I'm making. Um, so I, it's definitely my favorite part of running my, small, my artist small yeah. business is telling people about my stuff. I'm guessing you've had folks come up to you and say, is this something that I could do? Oh, for sure. Do you encourage folks like, hey, I would love for you to buy my stuff, but definitely this is rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's room for everyone to explore the crafts and yeah. art is something that is so therapeutic and helps people in so many ways more than just having something pretty on your wall or on your ears. Um, so I always try and give information for what I can if people are interested in making their own. So Maya Holland of Cast and Clover is open to having her brain picked. Yes. (laughs) At the holiday market this Friday and Saturday. Tell me what else, who else is going to be there on Friday and Saturday, Angela? Can you kind of give us a a range of what folks can expect? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've really got a 
bunch of different types of, of artwork available from different types of artisans from different backgrounds. A lot of them are northern Utah, but there will be some people, some Salt Lake favorites up there as well. Um, you know, there'll be everything from 2D kind of print, screen printed work to you know, screen printed t-shirts to um, beeswax candles to there's a, a wood turning artist that I really love that actually is legally blind and she makes the most incredible wood turned kind of like hand carved items, pens and things like that. Um, we'll have uh, some food trucks there as well. So local uh, food artisans that you can eat from. And, you know, this event is different from our DIY that it really is kind of focused on purchasing the gifts. So a lot of the artisans kind of have gift um, bags and things like that. We're doing a gift drive for LGBTQ plus families. So what can people bring? Yeah. So so we're actually encouraging people to buy from the artisans and um, and kind of donate to, to um, the Project Rainbow LGBT um, gift drive that way, which will have a table there. So you can actually buy from an artisan and then just take your gift over and drop it off at the table right there and there. And a lot of artisans are actually going to have some of their products discounted if you're going to buy for the gift drive. So you get to do something for yourself and something for the community. That's fantastic. So like you said, 15 years of Craft Lake City, four years now of the holiday market. And what is so important about handmade, about shopping local, in the community that you feel um, Craft Lake City has got its arms around. It makes you feel good. You know, it makes you feel good to support people like Maya, um, to support not just them financially, but to support their dreams. And, you know, I just love seeing individuals that um, launch their business at either the DIY festival or the holiday market. And they just didn't have any creative confidence before Mm -hmm. then. And then, you know, they come and they're just really timid. And it takes, it's so vulnerable to really, you know, show that side of yourself for the very, very first time. And you're, you're just unsure that anybody's going to like it and seeing those artisans make sale after sale and just seeing them beam and be like oh my goodness I thought like my mom was the only one that liked this stuff and it's like no (laughs) so you can get something unique you can support a local artisan but folks if you're thinking this is the year 2023 is going to be the year I get my act together and start making something Craft Lake City has lots of programs for that as well throughout the year to encourage artisan entrepreneurs we do and you know we hear time and time again that oh well I'm just not creative. And, you know, even if you consider yourself someone who's not creative, it's still fun to take a workshop and fail. (laughs) All right, workshops. You said the magic word because I wanted to ask you about something else I saw recently about Craft Lake City, and it's these new American workshops. You've had one. There's four more to go. What are they? Who's doing them? Yes. So we actually were so excited because this was an idea we had a couple years ago, and we just didn't have the funding to execute it because, you know, planning workshops and producing them, it does actually cost quite a bit of money. And um, so we wrote a grant to the Salt Lake City Arts Council and got um, our first round of funding from them. And so we were able to team up with the IRC and they could actually connect us with some of their individuals that already were creators and wanted to kind of learn how to teach. Yeah, very and, similar to their Spice Kitchen to Go program, yeah, right? The Spice y- Kitchen Incubator. Exactly. Very similar to that. And so we worked with an individual at the IRC who's been able to, you know, kind of uh, tap, have us tap into individuals that want to teach. So we've been 
been working with them to, um, some of them have some experience teaching, some of them don't, and just, you know, teaching them how our curriculum, how we do it. So you already had one workshop. What was that? And what's yet to come? Oh, yeah, that one was with, actually, it was really fun because um, when we were had our meeting with the IRC, one of the first people they mentioned was an individual named Zubaida. And we know Zubaida very well. She's actually gone through our um, Artisan Scholar and Mentorship Program, which that we offer for DIY Festival. Where people can apply for that and get scholarship in free to the festival and learn entrepreneurship skills and all sorts of things through a mentor program that we do, which you should. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's another story. <laughs> so we knew Zubaida from that, and she's been in the DOA Festival for two years. And so she actually taught, she's a jewelry maker, but she wanted to teach um, one of the first different types of art that got her into um, just creating in general. And that was kind of this embroidery and watercolor painting. Very and cool. it was very interesting. We'd never seen anything like it. And um, it sold out like in just like a week. It was it was fantastic. I've been looking at that stuff on Pinterest going, how do they do that? Yeah. So I missed that workshop, but there's four others coming there's up. Can you tell others. us about those and how people can get tickets or sign up? Yes. So we've got one. Our next one is coming up on Thursday, December 15th, and it's an intro to henna body art. Ooh. Yeah. So you'll actually learn how to make the henna and then some of the, the traditional patterns, and you can actually put it on yourself um, and learn how to do that. So that's going to be really fun. And then we've got a, a beaded earrings workshop. Um, we've got an African Roots Fashion Necklace workshop, which that's, I'm really excited for that one. That one's not until next year in February. Uh, we've got another mixed media painting and collage. And then um, we're hoping to do a crafting with beeswax Ooh, crafting in early March. Beeswax. So um, yeah, you, but you can go to craftlikecity.com and subscribe to our newsletter or click on the workshop tab and just look for the New American series. Plenty of tickets left to Plenty of tickets for right now. In fact, actually, um, we're, 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 this is kind of a scoop because we haven't announced the henna one yet. Um, t- tickets are already on sale right now, but we haven't started marketing it until tomorrow. So, so if you want it now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got these new American workshops coming up. But yet again, want to remind folks, shop local. Is shop was that Saturday or is it coming this Saturday? Oh, the, the Small big, Business Saturday? Yeah, Small Business Saturday. Yeah, that was, that was just this last that weekend. over the Thanksgiving weekend. But, you know, you can make any Saturday Small Business Saturday. Small Business Saturday with the fourth annual Craft Lake City Holiday Market. Dates, times, where can people yes, get tickets? Yes, this Friday, December 2nd and Saturday, December 3rd. Um, on Friday, it's an evening market. So it's 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. And then on Saturday, it's 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And both day and night, we will have a local craft cocktails and beer from local breweries and distilleries. It is a ticketed event. It is ticketed. Yes. And in fact, get your tickets um, for only $5 in advance from 24ticks.com or $7 day of. And then Maya Holland, Cast and Clover. I know you're going to be at the market, yes. but where can people find you online? Yeah, I have a website, castandclover.com. Um, I post on social media, on Instagram and TikTok at Cast and, Cast and Clover. So you can find me there. I'm updating my website throughout the week before we approach the crazy holiday post office season. So. Well, I hope you have a great craft market and holiday, the two Thank of you. you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'd love to follow up on these new American workshops, maybe yeah. bring some folks in uh, and talk about them in advance of the workshop. We would love that. And, and the cultural tradition that they're also sharing. That's, I think, a huge part of what you're trying to achieve. It is. And in fact, we actually incorpor- incorporate that into the workshop. So we kind of start off with that. You know, what? Uh, tell us about your history with mm-hmm. what you're going to teach and how that relates to your own heritage and your background. And yeah. that's, you know, I think part of the the fun of it. Angela, Maya, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you're listening to Radioactive. Stick around. Women of the World coming up next to get us from here to there. Little Solomon Burke, presents for Christmas. I'm all in right now, KRCL. 
Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. Support for KRCL comes from the Utah Farm and Food Conference, January 12th to 14th in Cedar City, where more than 200 attendees will gather to learn and network about the agrihood, from small to urban farms and artisan producers to those who support them. For tickets and conference schedule, visit utahfarmconference.org. KRCL is turning 43, and we're inviting you to come out and celebrate the station's anniversary with us at our first-ever Holiday Soul Party on December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room in Salt Lake City. KRCL DJs, photo booth, food truck, and live music with Ryan Innes, AM Bump, and the Omega Horns with a special VIP soul set with me, eBay Hamilton. So come on out and celebrate 43 years of community radio with a night full of feel-good soul music and all your favorite radio friends here at KRCL. That's Saturday, December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room. Get your tickets now at krcl.org. Hope to see you there. I know that the VIP tickets are going fast, and there are still tickets overall for the, the big concert that starts at 8. So, folks, check it out at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones, and you're listening to Radioactive. Coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, Red, White, and Blues at 8, Night Train at 10.30, Brand New Day at 6. Our whole schedule online at krcl.org. Now I wanted to talk with some folks in our community who help forcibly displaced women rebuild their lives should they resettle here in Utah. And joining me from Women of the World, we have founder Samira Harnish. How are you doing? It's been a while. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And you brought with you one of your interns right now, and that is Saharanaz Purhakui. Hi. 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 And um, I want to get to what's going on in Iran. And I know you both have a lot to say from both personal experience, but also your assessment of the situation. But I really wanted to talk about the celebration coming up for Women of the World clients on Saturday. Yes. Yeah. So this is our 12th annual uh, uh, celebration of women's success. It's really important, you know, to... Um, to give a certificate for the women that reach to their goals, um, and to um, we want actually most of the these kind of event to be free for the people to come and uh, see their new neighbors that are succeeding and reaching to their goals by being you know self. Um, self-reliance yeah you, you offer help with school with language so many things yeah so we do you know we help them with the practical english with the applying for a job how to write a resume and all these things and even if they want to open their own business you know for schooling you know we've been giving a scholarship since 2018 uh, from anonymous women from oregon that she give us money for the women we call it disability place women uh, and this one is not only for the refugee for an immigrant for asylum seeker and for DACA so we've been interviewing uh, some uh, young women for the 2023 and we have $38,000 so far you know giving those women we have like maybe 12 of them they're gonna get the scholarship now is that the scholarship the deadline for which is tomorrow yes okay <laughs> so what's the website where folks can learn more about that um, so the website is women of war that are 
ORG. Without the women afford that ORG. And tomorrow we're gonna close it at night. And so far we have 45 uh, young women applying from uh, Weber State, from USU, from U of U, and Provo. Okay, so that's the website where folks can uh, apply. But you can also, I'm sure, find a donate button if you're listening to this and want to help with the we'll scholarships. Be great. We'll yeah. be great. Yeah. So you can help so, more of, of the women who have been forcibly displaced. So that's deadline tomorrow. Then Saturday, again, celebration. What time and where? It's, uh, it's going to be in county building. They've been very generous for 12 years to give us the venue free. And it's going to be at 2 o'clock to five we're gonna have uh, um, uh, a beautiful uh, lady from Nepal gonna perform her dance and we're gonna have ethnic food and just like I said it's a free I really wanted to everyone in here in Utah to come because those lady from all over the forcibly displaced women they always wanted to say thank you for giving me uh, a great opportunity to start from zero. So they wanted to appreciate you and they wanted to show that how they are succeeding and thriving in our state. All right, so check tonight's show notes, folks, for a link to the scholarship, the deadline again tomorrow, close of business, and then, of course, the celebration, the community celebration with Women of the World happening on Saturday at the Salt Lake County Building, 2001 South State Street. Yes, and one, one thing is I wanted to mention, I wanted to give my profound thank you for the unique, for uh, donating 200 pieces of beautiful makeup and beautiful purse and um, robe as well. So yeah. thank you so much for the unique and yeah. for the county building. Now I wanted to talk with you and Saharnaz about what is going in Iran. It's been about two months, I believe. And Saharnaz, you were going to kind of summarize what started, what yes. happened. Go yes. ahead. So on September 16, Mahasojina Amini, a 22-year-old woman, was killed after being arrested by the morality police in Iran due to violating the regime's dress code. Many Iranian women, such as myself, uh, saw themselves uh, as a potential Masa Amini. And her death uh, was this match thrown into a huge field that exploded in and across the country. It's very understandable to see now why women are revolting. We had 43 years of this regime crossing red lines, creating oppressive policies. We have 43 years of women being disrespected, discriminated against. Under the under the domestic issues, there are husbands that can stop their wife, his their wives, uh, to not to work, not to leave the house, or not to travel. And uh, legally, a woman's life is worth half a man's life. So, for example, let's say a man and a woman get into a car accident. In case of any damages, a man will be rewarded twice as much as a woman would. Or in the court of law, if a woman gives a testimony, that's worth half a man's testimony. And I can go on and on about this. And not only the regime has denied women the, ba the most basic humans, human rights, they have also sexualized them. Ever since the beginning of this regime, it, sexu sexual identity has become an instrument of suppressing in the hands of the government. And so you see such atrocities in prisons and streets, even in people's homes. And there are authorities who have now this free reign in order to control women and do whatever they want, whenever they want to them. And I don't think this regime, I personally do not believe that this regime represents the diversity and richness of Iranians, people, and culture. And 
there are about 40% of the people in Iran, in Iran are ethnic minorities. And part of this eth- ethnic minorities is Massa, who just got killed. And again, like Kurds as well, because Massa is Kurd, and Kurds right now are being treated horribly. They're being attacked, they're being oppressed, they're being denied access to clean water. Some of them are often not getting their birth certificates. They are not allowed to practice their own language, their own culture. And in general, this protest is nothing compared to the protest before. It's a broad attack on the regime. And we had so far 18,000 people arrested, 450 people killed. And the women in Iran have made it clear, unless something changes and unless they have reached what they deserve, they will not stop and the protests will continue. It's been wild to see the video that has made it out of women and girls, in particular, burning their hijabs, um, throwing off their robes, and sitting here in the West, I'm cheering them on, but like you said, more than 400 people killed before the holiday, a story about um, a crackdown to show them the harshest possible judgment up into including execution for merely protesting for their yeah, rights. Yeah. So what have you been hearing from family? Because you've been here now seven years, I believe. Yes. And you're a poli-sci student up at the University of Utah. What are you hearing from family and friends? And are you concerned at all in speaking out about their safety. I'm very much concerned. I'm very much concerned. Thank, I am honored for the opportunity Samira has given me, the founder of mm-hmm. Women of the World. Um, however, when I gave, when I got the chance to speak for Iranian people, I was once honored, but I was concerned at the same time. My aunt and my dad both work really hard, and I was concerned if they would lose their job. A lot of people who talk here, their families are at risk who are in Iran. They can get arrested in a second, and you don't need to do something big. If you, as lo- as much as having an American passport, you will get arrested. That could be a thing. And... Not only I'm concerned, I'm every time I want to call them, I have a trouble. They have trouble accessing internet. They have trouble sending us videos. They have trouble telling us exactly what's happening through phone calls. And do it, they feel free to speak when you do connect? No. 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 Absolutely not. No. So, for example, my aunt, she works at Red Cross. And I'm very concerned by even asking her. So I don't mm-hmm. even engage in asking yeah. a question myself because she's actually one of the owners, so I, do, I just don't get involved because I don't know what will happen to her. Mm-hmm. Now, Samira, I do want to remind folks about your history. You're from Iraq and came yeah. here and as an engineer. Yeah. You were not forcibly displaced, um, mm-hmm. but you wanted to do something to, as you saw more and more forcibly displaced women and their families coming to, to Utah and started Women of the World to help them. But your sister is in Tehran. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, I, it's true, you know, I didn't come as a uh, displaced person. I came in as an international student to study engineering, you know. That's why I, the difference between me and the refugee is because they saw the horrible things to be in here. For me, my life was horrible as well, you know, being chosen, you know, to get married, to come to America as a young teen. But my sister, you know, when uh, Saddam came into the power in, 2000, in 1979, the, he, they uh, took his her husband first, put him in the truck and throw him out from Iraq on the border between Iran and Iraq. Iran did not want him. Iraq did not want him. So, and she was looking for him for a while uh, to see where her husband has gone, you know, because they didn't, no one told her about that. So she found out after that, you know, her husband is in the, somewhere in the camp. 
that between Iran and Iraq. And she said, well, the country, that they don't want my husband. They don't want me as well. So she went and she left in, in Tehran, you know. So every time I call her, you know, she always cry, actually, that last weekend, you know, I could not say, you know, hear any word from her except her crying, saying, you know, Unfortunately, there's kids 10 years old being shot in, you know, in front of their, uh, their family. Uh, she lost her son actually earlier this year with COVID, but she said, why those kids they are alive and they're happy and they're healthy supposed to be and they're being killed like this, you know, is because of the regime is going on in, in Iran. It's so. even, it's even um, filtered into the World Cup going on right now, yeah. where we saw the Iranian team not yeah. sing its own anthem the first time around. Yeah. And then the second time you saw them singing it, not with a lot of passion. I'm concerned about them yeah. even when they go back to their country. Um, but also the Americans took a symbol of off of the Iraqi flag. Was it the yes. um, Islamic Crescent? The Islamic, yeah. Um, yeah. In, in a digital image, and now Iran wants them evicted from the games and uh, penalized yeah. 10 games, something like that. Yeah. Um, what are you hearing, besides your sister, about folks in that part of the world and what they want us to know? Well, I mean, one of the things is, you know, you ask Sahranaz, uh, um, do, do your family, they can, can freedom to speak? No, I mean, I will salute every single human being in the country of Iran or Afghanistan or Iraq speaking up in their in their country. And they know after that they're going to be hanged or being shot. But in here, you know, we have the freedom of speech yeah. and we are talking about them. I need every single person to uh, support the Iranian revolution to make it to be changed. You know, they have to have some kind of... Uh, um, uh, you know, humanitarian to take care of that and not, you know, to see the women and the, the kids, you know, men or women that are being killed in there because of the, you know, with the, with this kind of revolution. So uh, please stand for them, you know, and, and, and do something. You know, go and march in the street and tell the Iranian, we are with you, tell them, yeah. you know, we are hearing you and we hope everything has changed. We're talking with Samira Harnish, founder of Women of the World. Check tonight's show notes for a link also from Women of the World, Saharnaz Purhagui. And you wanted to pay tribute. I do. I believe this is important to look beyond our circumstances and be involved and affect the change. One of the most important slogans of this protest is Woman Life Freedom, Zan Zendigi Azadi. And this is the slogan I identify with. This is the slogan I believe women universally should adopt to. So... I want to pay tribute to some of the victims who have fought for this cause. Sarina Islamizadeh, Asra Panahi, Kiana Pirfalaki, Nika Shakarami, Abul Fazle, Adinzadeh, Hadisa Najafi, Ghazale Cherabi, Minu Majidi. Thank you for giving me the chance to and do that's so. just some of the folks who have been yeah, we have murdered at the hands of the Iranian regime. We have 450 regime. people who were killed. Yeah. I wish I could name all of them, but... So you're from Iran. I am, um, yes. You lived a significant portion of your life I have. there. And now having been here in the States seven years, I think you said, mm-hmm. what, do you f- what do you feel when you think about your home country? I think the rest of the world looks at um, these protests and they are in awe about the strength of these women. 
But when I put myself in their shoulder, in their shoes, I think that they've the regime has put them in a position that they have nothing to lose. That risking their lives day by day is a sign of hope. Mm. To have a hope for future, to have a hope for education, to have a freedom of marriage, to have a freedom of getting a divorce, to having the children custody, being able to provide yourse- for yourself, being able to get out of the country, being able to be financially secure. I can go on and on about this. So I think how I feel is that the rest of the world is in awe of their strength. But the dark side about this is that this is a sense of hope. This is a glimpse of hope. So when I think about that, I am not, (laughs) I don't have words to say. Do you hope to be able to go back to Iran someday under a different regime? I hope to be going back under this regime. I hope to be next to my people. I, I do want the regime changed or fixed, but to be honest, the, the thing I'm very concerned about is the people. And I think I don't have the right to sit here and say, I want the regime changed, so I'll go back. That's an easy yes for me. I have to be there with them when there's 450 people who are dying. Today, one of the most important people who fought a lot is a a rapper, and he's being executed. There's a lot of people who have that, um, who are having death sentence right now. And I think... One thing for me that I can do here is speak up or like contact the congressman, senators, or UN actually recently, UN Human Center, um, voted um, uh, this investigation mechanism to kind of like dig deep and like do a research on the human right violation after the death of Massa. And I think one thing I like to do, I'm personally, I personally believe the U.S. politics is very reliable. So what I like to do is push this investigation and make sure that it happens. So it goes to people. What I care about is the people, not the regime. And Reuters reporting just earlier today that Iran has rejected the U.S. investigation to yeah, the protests. Yeah. Yeah. That was easily <laughs> yeah. foreseen, but the U.N.'s not going to go, okay, never mind. Yeah. They will continue on it. And we're seeing... That's why I think it's important yeah. to for us to take steps, mm. for us. To, I don't think Same woman's right is a universal right, it's human's right, you know. And what's the cry again? Women? Woman, life, freedom. Woman, life, freedom. Zan, zendigi, azadi. Say that again? Zan, Zendigi Ozadi. Zen, Zendigi Ozadi? Yes. All right. Fine. So we're going we're gonna to have you write that out phonetically. So <laughs> spell it for me in, in uh, Persian so we can put it on in the show notes. I, I, I really I love, love that I would love that slogan. very much. And I hope you'll come back and keep us up to date on, on what you're hearing from folks. And again, your sister in Tehran, has she said anything or anyone else that you know that's over in that part of the world that they want to get out here as you have this opportunity, Samira? Um, I uh, really, I mean, it's, of course, you know, I think the, uh, all the road is closed, you know, they, they cannot move anywhere, you know, that's what I understand from her. She used to go and visit uh, my family in Iraq, and now since the regime started, she cannot do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're also seeing stories out of China with folks calling for more liberty 
over the holidays as um, the COVID lockdowns and the iPhone factory in particular is what I'm thinking of, folks, if you want to Google your news. But also in Afghanistan, more restrictions on women, making them virtual prisoners in their home, which I already thought they were, but even more restrictions, period. And, you know, I just... Went back 20 years backward. And women and their families, as they get out of countries like Afghanistan, Iran, or even China, may find themselves resettled as refugees in communities like ours, and that's where Women of the World comes in to help them rebuild a life. Yes, so we have actually a lot of uh, Afghan family that we helped since 2015, and they are resettled in here, and they reach to their goals and everything. They're helping us, actually, when they see a new one is coming, they bring them to Women of the World. They never heard about us, so here, you know, you need help. There's a woman out there that isn't here to help. And of course, you know, that's where uh, Sahra Naz, she is helping us as well with the language and, and, and uh, get, you know, uh, the women to be in our office to learn English and to, um, we have two of them actually from Afghanistan. They just recently came in to uh, here and they learn English and they're going to receive our certificate is because of the way they are very, um, uh, motivated to finish yeah. to be a self-reliance and what have you seen over the years and again since 2009 yeah. um what have you seen over the years about the community a volunteering and helping but also businesses and educational institutions seeing the work of women in the world and taking your graduates and saying ah this is a program that's working. Yes, yes. You know, I actually uh, seen a lot of different. The first time, seven years, I don't have an office and my office, my car. And after that, when I got the Nansen Award in 2018 from the United Nations in Geneva, the, the a lot of people, they start to look at me because they... Uh, get us, they got Utah in the map when I was in Geneva to say there's a small organization from the car made it to Nansen Award. And from there, you know, people, they start to know us more better and to see our impact yearly. If you go to the website, you know, you find our impact for every year. And last year, actually, um, with the COVID and everything, you know, I will say the ROI, you know, every $1 invested in women of the world, the women that turned back to the, their community, $3.18. So that means it's coming from work, you know, and or, or taking a certificate and to work hard and to get more pay and all these things. So, uh, the organization came from nothing, zero. Now we are a million dollar budget. Helping so many people, yes. forcibly displaced women, yes. rebuild their lives and Can regain I trust. Yes, please do, um, Saharnas. As an Iranian woman, what I appreciate about Women of the World is that it gives. It empowers women to a degree that they're using their voice and they're becoming independent. There are women who doesn't don't go out without their husbands out of the house, don't talk to us without their husbands. But now they're figuring out their ID, their house, and they have a say in the about what they want, where they want to do it, mm-hmm. and how they want to do it. And they're not coming with their husbands anymore. So they've been displaced, displaced by a regime that oppressed them by exactly. virtue of their birth and their biology. They come here, get tools and find their voice. Exactly. And I think I've seen that in the past two months in the Women of the World. 
And I'm imagining if Samir is there for the past four or five years, I can't even imagine how many people they have helped because there is a woman who was afraid to get out of her house. But now she's going out and she's an activist. You know, there's people like that. And I think there is politics and then there's culture. And when you turn politics and culture, and when you mix politics and culture, it can be kind of surpassing and it can dominate women. And to bring women out of that, give them voice and show, how, show them how powerful they are is what Woman of the World has done. And that's what we're celebrating on it's, Saturday. What's yeah. the time again and where? It's going to be in the county building, 2100 South and C Street, and from 2 to 5. We're in there because there's two buildings. Oh, two th- uh, it's 2001. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Is the 2000, the cafeteria. Okay, the cafeteria there at the city, at, excuse me, just the county building (laughs) on the northeast corner of 2100 South and State Street. And again, the scholarship, if folks want to, they still have a chance to apply through Close of Business tomorrow, right? (laughs) Yes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to tell what time, you know. (laughs) Tomorrow is the last day, yes. And there's also more information on other scholarships on that page. Yes. Where you can apply. We'll put a link in tonight's show notes. Um, Any closing thoughts here, especially as the news keeps coming out of Iran about more people being arrested and more people being killed standing up for women. Yes, yeah. I think it's uh, what I wanted to say always help some, uh, you know, displaced people in here around you. I know you cannot go to Iran and stop what's going on in there, but please, when you see a woman in here around you, just say hello, how are you? Give her a smile, be a friend with her. And you want to add anything? Um, just reach out to your senators, Congress, and fight for you an investigation. And let your platforms be the voice of Iranian women. And just know that Iranian women do not give up. And they will fight for their freedom. Thank you so much for coming in, Saharnaz and Samira. We'll Thank you for having links us. in the show notes so folks can catch up with you, okay? Thank okay. you. Thank and you my so thanks much. to you for plugging in with your community tonight. Hopefully you heard something that uh, caught your attention and you're going to get involved. Or maybe there's a resource you learned about that will help you or someone you know, someone you love. You can always send me some suggestions along those lines. And the email address is radioactive at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting KRCL, a nonprofit in your community. Until tomorrow, take care and have a great night. KRCL 90.9 FM, HD1, Salt Lake City, Ogden, Provo, 96.7 FM in Park City, and on the web at krcl.org. KRCL's Music Meets Movies takes a turn towards the holidays with a documentary film that dives into the underground world of alternative Christmas music. There is a underground of tape traders and CD traders across the country who do this, try to make cool Christmas discs every year. The worst music in the world is bad Christmas music. I found the typical Christmas music grim. So I thought I'd start making a soundtrack to get myself through the holidays. So we'll talk about what happens in Hollis, Christmas in Hollis. I caught Bill back sweating. I just wrote the best round of my life. 
Christmas, you can love it or hate it, but you can't really ignore it. The music and the memories pierces that pathway. Of course, it's powerful. Join KRCL Thursday, December 8th at Brewies in Salt Lake for a screening of the 2013 documentary Jingle Bell Rocks. Tickets at the door at 6.30, movie at 7.30. Information at krcl.org. 